Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. Thanks so much for joining us once again this evening as we are recapping TCU football's home win over Nichols State yesterday evening. The Frogs bouncing back with a 41-6 win over the Colonels. TCU now 1-1 on the season. It's nice to get in the win column, but TCU clearly with some things still to work on offensively and defensively. We will talk about the football game last night, all of our big takeaways and what we need to see moving forward. We have some soccer and volleyball updates this evening, along with some Big 12 football items. A lot of really good football played in the Big 12 conference over the weekend. Anthony, how's it going? How's your weekend going so far? Hey Russ, yeah, it's been a it's been a great weekend. It was great to see the Horn Frogs get a win. Um and the start of the NFL season has has been really fun as well. Seeing Quentin Johnston get his first catch as a pro, Darius Davis get his first catch as a pro, um, even though the Chargers ended up losing today. That was fun to see. Um not not a very successful NFL day watching for me. My Titans lost. Your Bears lost, look pretty terrible as well. Uh my my Joe Burrow T Higgins team scored about zero points. So uh rough day there, but it's it's fun to have full football season in full swing here. Uh otherwise and and yeah, looking forward to talk about this TCU game as well. Yeah, it's been a absolutely brutal day of football for me. You mentioned the Bears got destroyed at home by Green Bay. It doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers is there or not. The Bears just cannot do anything against the Packers for whatever reason. And then fantasy football, I have a family league. I have a league with some buddies from college, and I, I had the T. Higgins goose egg in the family league. I had the Drake London goose egg in my school league, and then I had Christian Kirk going off for uh, one catch for nine yards. And uh, Graham Gano, my kicker right now, has negative one points. So uh, I'm going to be in for some punishment here uh, in, in the next couple of days if if that doesn't shape up. That's what it's, it's all a, about. Yeah, it, that's what's all good fun, and we we have a little uh, punishment in our school league for players who score zero points. It involves uh, a chug for zero and a shot for negative points. So I might be uh, doing a little bit of, of drinking here on a weeknight with with some of those uh, miserable performances. But uh, let, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast this evening. A couple of quick plugs here. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Shop online today at www.charliehustle.com. Use the promo code TEN1215 for 15% off in all non-sale items. Again, that's promo code TEN1215. Get 15% off all non-sale items at charliehustle.com. Lots of good TCU swag there. Also, we're partnered with Prize Picks, which is the easy way to play daily fantasy sports. Download the easy-to-use Prize Picks mobile app today and go online as well at www.prizepicks.com. Use the promo code FROGS12. That's promo code FROGS12. Get a 100% deposit match up to $100. We are also partnered with the 1012 Network once again. And if you'd like to support by donating to the Patreon, you can do so online at www.patreon.com forward slash TEN 12 network. All right, TCU football coming back from a disappointing loss to Colorado to start the season 
another home game for TCU under the lights at Amon G. Carter Stadium. The annual FCS opponent, quote-unquote, tune-up game for TCU to try and iron out some of those kinks and fix some of those mistakes from the Colorado game. Ultimately, TCU does come away with the win, 41-6. to I don't think that's a huge surprise there. Uh, for the gamblers out there, TCU unfortunately didn't cover the spread, but it's a, a big win. Uh, looking at the score, you know, it's it looks lopsided, but, you know, I watched this game, Anthony, from start to finish, and it, it was a frustrating game to watch, honestly, because I felt like TCU left a lot out there and just didn't really impress a whole lot on either side of the ball. Yeah, the score was lopsided, and Nickel State had a lot of self-inflicted errors, which you kind of expect from an FCS team. They had quite a few penalties. They had a lot of dropped passes. But TCU had so many opportunities to just blow this game open and really come out and look excited to play and make some highlights happen. And it just kind of seemed like TCU got the win, but almost went through the motions in this game. Maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but I I didn't really like what I saw from the defense until the end of the game when you had some of the freshmen coming in and making some big plays there, forcing a couple turnovers. And then offensively, there were a lot of things that left me scratching my head. So Anthony, overall, what were your thoughts on how this game played out and just what were you expecting coming in and what was your immediate reaction when the final whistle blew? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think that there are a lot of good things that happened in this game. Obviously, TCU comes away with a big win. Um, You'd like to see that, but certainly you could tell the skill position talent on Nickel State is going to be lower than TCU will see in any other game this season, certainly far, far lower than Colorado's skill position talent. And, and that showed up pretty clearly where they had open receivers that couldn't make the plays or uh, couldn't get the necessary yardage. So I think there, there was much improvement in a lot of ways, but it did feel like we still didn't get a huge intensity increase um, that we maybe were hoping for. Uh, to see out there until, like you said, those last couple drives from the defense were very encouraging. I think getting some of those true freshmen in there um, and and maybe by that point, the nickel state squad has pretty well packed it in and ready to, to take this paycheck game back to Louisiana. But um, I I thought that was encouraging, but yeah, it's, it's hard to take too much away from an FCS game on either side of things. Um, particularly one, you know, the TCU defense didn't allow a touchdown in this game. Um, and so certainly played at a better level than did before. Um, but to me, it, it feels like, uh, when TCU goes up against teams that do have a a level of talent that, um, TCU will struggle and, and, We'll we'll begin to find out when we start talking about Houston, we start talking about SMU, and then really into the meat of the Big 12 schedule. It's going to be uh, a lot of challenges ahead for this one Frog squad, I'm sure of it. And let's go ahead and start with the defense because you brought it up, Anthony, a short while ago. And defensively, I felt like TCU did a lot of what it did 
against Colorado in that you had three guys rushing the quarterback. You had a lot of players dropping back in coverage. You had a lot of players well off the line of scrimmage. I'm talking five, six yards off the line of scrimmage, sometimes in obvious running situations, which was really frustrating to watch because there were at least two or three situations in this game where Nickel State had a, a third and three or some kind of short yardage line to gain situation. And it, it's clear that they're going to run the football and they do run the football up the middle. And the guys who are playing in the middle of the defense or in the secondary, they can't get to the line of scrimmage until they've already picked up a couple of yards because they're just, they're playing so far off the line of scrimmage and the linebacker play from my perspective in this game was pretty underwhelming. I thought Jamoy Hodge had a really bad game, to be honest. It felt like whenever he was running through the the line and running through the hole, it was just an empty hole with nobody there. And the tackling as a whole, I thought was a bit better than what we saw during the Colorado game. But this 3-3-5, the, the frustrations that a lot of TCU fans are having and you know, venting out on social media. I, I've tried to give as much benefit of the doubt as I can, but this this defense is definitely starting to frustrate me a little bit because it just seems like it's really tough to get any sort of consistent pressure on the opposing quarterback. And to, to give the Nickel State quarterback credit, he rolled out of the pocket a few times and he made some really nice throws, but the, the dropped passes were pretty egregious by by nickel state there were at least five or six plays that could have gone for five ten fifteen yards had the receivers not dropped the ball that was right in their hands so i felt like they were getting receivers open they just couldn't hit on some of those plays because of the dropped passes the penalties were really bad for nickel state as well they had seven penalties a lot of them were false starts and delay of game penalties which Honestly, I felt like TCU's defense got bailed out in quite a few scenarios where Nickel State would pick up good yardage on an early down and wind up with second and two or third and four, and then a false start or a delay a game happens and it becomes a more predictable passing situation. But overall, you know, D- Dominic Williams has a sack and you get to the fourth quarter and the freshman came in and the freshman played with a lot of juice. I mean, you said it, Anthony, you had Randon Fontenet come in and make a huge hit on, on that running back. You had uh, Vernon Glover making a really nice diving grab for an interception on a bad throw. Chase Biddle. I know he's not a freshman, but he's a a former four-star prospect who hasn't played a lot. He recovers a, a fumble on a play where TCU forces the ball out near the line scrimmage. He had a couple sacks toward the end of the game. Marcus Deal came in with Rick Diabreu on a sack toward the end of the game. So it, that was nice to see. And it was encouraging, I think, because Nichols still had their starters in the game. They had their quarterback still in the game. Their receivers were still in the game. So was definitely happy to see some TCU defenders flying around and playing with with good pace and energy at the end of the game. But in the grand scheme of things for me, I felt like had Nickel State played a little more competently on offense and not dropped those passes and not committed those pre-snap infractions, they probably score 13, 14, maybe 17 points against this TCU defense. And I, I was just 
overall underwhelmed with the performance. I mean, I, I feel like we haven't had a real alpha playmaker emerge yet. I mean, last season you look at players like D Winters and Dylan Horton and Trey Tomlinson and Josh Newton at times who you know that they could make a big game-changing play. TCU just hasn't really had that yet. I'm I'm kind of waiting for someone to really emerge as a a true X factor for for this defense and maybe we'll get one next week when TCU goes to play Houston, but it's just it just kind of seemed like TCU's defense sort of meandered through this game. What are your thoughts, Anthony, on how the defense came out in this game? Yeah, it it definitely feels like the defense is a kind of out of sight, out of mind situation here for the Frogs, where um, it's just not it's not the focus of this team. It's it's TCU is going to win games this season despite whatever the defense does, not because of something that the defense does more often than not. I think that that's become pretty clear through these two games. Um, and, and yeah, when, when you're taking on the FCS game on your schedule and you can only muster two sacks and they both come on like the final drive or final two drives of the game, that's, that's pretty disappointing. Very little pressure four QB hurries total on the game. Um, against a you know an FCS offensive line that's pretty disappointing i think that's one of the big things we would have liked to have seen TCU come out and really pressure a quarterback really make life miserable back there for for that quarterback and frankly it wasn't yes he he did have to go you know scramble a few times but um life was not miserable and and when you start talking about Donovan Smith next week um Preston Stone for SMU, these guys are going to be able to pick you apart if you give them that kind of space back there in the pocket. So um, a little bit disappointing there. But, you know, um, I think a a name on the youngsters you didn't mention, Jamel Johnson had a really nice game. The safety um, was one during the preseason that got named as a potential like freshman all freshman team, all American or something like that in the preseason. So um, it was good to see him come out and have a good game. And, you know, on the positive side, I think the tackling was much better um, than before. Again, it's, it's, a, it's playing an FCS opponent. So you should be able to, to make those plays, but they did go make those plays. I think Mark Perry had a much better game. Uh, we gave him a pretty hard time over the last week from the Colorado game. And, uh, he came out and had six tackles, but really was getting himself to the right spot and, and making his way um, in, in kind of all of the things we talked about previously about kind of putting your body into that space of, okay, you're the safety who's supposed to go take on the blocker, who's supposed to go make these plays in the run game. And and he definitely did that on Saturday. So I, I think that was a big step forward for the defense. Josh Newton had a couple of pass breakups. Um, but I think on the whole, it's just TCU is going to have to survive defensively, uh, this season much more than, than thriving. And, and, you know, we'll see if the TCU offense is able to overcome that because TCU will certainly give up points, but will TCU be able to outscore opponents? That'll be the big question. And offensively TCU goes over the 40 point mark for the second consecutive game. And 
I have a lot to say about the offensive performance, and I'm going to try and keep my thoughts as focused as possible without things turning into a, a ramble. But to start with a couple of positives on the offensive side, I think Chandler Morris had a good game. I thought he was efficient with throwing the football. He completed 26 of 30 passes, just over 250 yards, two touchdowns, also ran for 66 yards and a touchdown. I thought he made good decisions when the throws were not there down the field. He used the open space in front of him to scramble for big yards. He took the checkdowns when they were there, and a couple of those checkdowns turned into solid gains. So uh, combined with the fact he didn't turn the ball over, and I really thought he only had one bad throw in the game when he slightly overthrew Jojo Earl on the corner route, which could have been a touchdown, but he he made good decisions. He made the right plays with his legs and I think it was a step forward for him after a pretty inconsistent game against Colorado where he completed fewer than 60% of his passes. Uh, TCU did try to establish the run in this game, and I think there was more of a balance between run and pass as opposed to Colorado where I thought TCU got a little pass happy. However, I was really disappointed with how TCU struggled to really get anything going on the ground against an FCS team and I give Nichols credit. I I feel like Nichols came in and made an effort to take the run away. And they, they really did that. TCU finished with 129 rushing yards after 262 last week. And Amani Bailey's held under 70 yards. Trey Sanders only had five carries for 13 yards. And for most of this game, it was Chandler Morris, who was the leading rusher just off of those scrambles. TCU finishes with fewer than 3.5 yards per carry. That's not what you want to see at all against an FCS team. And the the big run of the night, the 38-yard carry from Bailey early in the game was negated by a holding call on Andrew Coker, who I honestly thought he had a pretty bad game. He had a couple penalties, a false start, and he was missing some blocks in the run game that didn't help TCU get that part of the offense going. So I thought that was a disappointment, but what I was really frustrated with was the play calling was trash. And I understand you don't want to put a whole lot out on tape against an FCS team when you have big 12 opponents coming up, but everything that I saw from the offense in this game, specifically the passing game was just, if it wasn't an RPO, it was a a motion to a little screen pass and a, a slant pass and, I don't think Chandler Morris had one throw over 30 yards in this game. Everything was around the line of scrimmage. It was a dink and dunk affair. You had multiple passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage on third and fourth down situations. I mean, TCU turned the ball over on downs on a a fourth and two where they try to throw a little swing pass to Jalen Robinson. He gets tackled for a loss of three yards. Warren Thompson picks up a first down and then he runs backwards and loses three yards. TCU has to punt in that situation. It, it, one, one of the best plays of the night, I thought, was that little jet toss to Jordan Bailey, who he had a really nice game. Three catches, 61 yards, a touchdown late in the game from Josh Hoover. But TCU didn't make any real effort to get those speedy, shifty guys involved in any creative scenarios. Everything was just, it just seemed like a very vanilla, bland, 
basic approach from this passing game. And I was extremely underwhelmed with the play calling. And I, I gave Kendall Bryles some benefit of the doubt last week because ultimately TCU did score 42 points and did put up 540 yards. But if this is the kind of play calling that we're going to be getting over the next few games, and this is the kind of passing attack that TCU is going to have, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough a tough road ahead. Anthony, what are your thoughts on what you saw from, from the TCU offense in this game? Welcome to the resistance for us. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> coming around to this position, I, the offense, I will say, I think Chandler Morris had a very good game. Um, I, I liked almost everything that he did. I was happy to see him, you know, work with what the offense gave him um, to, trust his athleticism and and his running ability that you know we talked about it in the Colorado game that he was a hesitant runner and he maybe had left some opportunities on the field that he could have taken with his legs that he did take here in this game um so it's good to see him get that uh and and maybe it's a little bit of a getting the monkey off the back of like you know he did suffer an injury that ended up costing him the season last year. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't injured for the whole season, but, you know, I I think sometimes you got to just take those hits and remember that you can get back up. Um, So I think that was good to see the, his big running touchdown. I don't know if that was a designed play. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It appeared there were pretty clear routes being run and they were well covered and and it was just very wide open in the middle of the field and he took off and and could outrun the defenders there so you know i i don't think that that is a a scheme thing i think that is a chandler morris went and made a big athletic play thing and yeah i mean you complete 87 percent of your passes you only have four total incompletions and really only one of them maybe two of them are on the quarterback as you know you probably could have hit that play so i was happy to see that after last week there were probably at least a handful maybe you know six or seven pretty bad passes uh in addition to the two interceptions so to to see him come out and perform at a much more efficient level was encouraging for the future you know, getting 13 receivers involved in the game is nice to see. Again, it's the FCS game, so you're trying to get everybody involved. But um, I think that was well spread around even even before things kind of got out of hand late and Josh Hoover came in the game. Um, but yeah, man, this, this offense is going to, I guess it's attempting to be a little bit of death by a thousand cuts um, as opposed to find something explosive. I mean, the, again, the longest pass play is under 35 yards and it's a, it's a play where Jordan Bailey just takes it and, and does the rest with his, his speed. It's not a, it's not a deep pass. There, there have been no completions this season, I think over like 20 yards, air yards. So I, that's something Going into the game, we said that's what we wanted to see, and we we got none of that. So, yeah, we could obviously everyone likes to kind of talk about, oh, we're we're just keeping we're we're playing three D chess here, where we don't want to show Houston that we can throw the ball down the field. Why not? 
don't you want don't you want them to be super concerned about what your your receivers can do over the top so that you have things open over the middle? Why would you not want to um get some practice on those things against a live defense? So you know, yeah, I, I think then the, the third and fourth down play calling was atrocious. Um it was it was terrible. The oh, I had the stat up earlier that TCU was something like a four of 16 on the day on third and fourth downs. Let's see. Uh, six of 16 on third and fourth downs. And that's, that's just, you know, you're, those are equal to, to turnovers at that point. You're, you're giving the ball back. Um, so the play calling in those situations where almost every time it was short of the line to gain or short of the line of scrimmage, um, and, you know, if Jalen Robinson and Jojo Earl are going to be Darius Davis, I, I think they're just they're just not that guy um, to be able to they're just they're just not that level of speed, I guess, maybe um, that level of playmaker for for this TCU team to be able to to take that short play and turn it into to a massive play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, asking, you know, Warren Thompson to escape three or four tacklers mm -hmm. to gain an extra six yards on the ground after, you know, third and eight, you're throwing it three yards up the field. That's, you're just, it's an unlikely situation that you're actually picking up that first down. Um, so I, I think I left a lot to be desired from the offensive play calling. Um, the offense was, was quite bad. Uh, again in scoring opportunities um only two touchdowns through the first 50 minutes of the game uh you know you get the blocked you get the blocked punt and that's not an offensive touchdown you get down there uh to like the 5 yard line and Josh Hoover fumbles a snap uh poor Josh Hoover had a rough day i mean usually the FCS game would be the day where the the backup quarterback really gets a chance to shine and and show why you know you you can feel confident in them coming out and you know his in his his first snap is a fumble that's a turnover in the red zone his first pass is an interception that was directly to a defender um so rough day for him glad he got the touchdown on the the Jordan Bailey uh catch and run um but overall yeah, TCU ends up getting 17 fourth quarter points once the game's well, you know, the time has run out. But mm -hmm. before that, the TCU offense did did nothing to to suggest that uh TCU will be a major player going forward. Yeah, the inside slant pass to Jack Beck for 6 yards on fourth and 8 was one of the biggest head scratchers of the evening, not to mention the swing pass to Robinson on fourth down that I brought up before and I guess for, for what it's worth, and I don't think this is an excuse, but Dylan Wright did not play in this game due to a calf injury. Savion Williams also didn't play due to injury and illness. And J.P. Richardson, I guess, was banged up a little bit coming in. So he caught one pass on a nice play for, I think, 24 yards. And then he didn't, I don't think he got a target and didn't play for the rest of the game. So uh, hopefully those guys can get healthy for Houston, but you brought up Jojo Earl. I think he and he's another player that I think needs to get more involved offensively. And he had the really nice punt return 
in this game. He had a, a good catch on a beautiful ball from Morris for a touchdown. Late in the game, he had a big play over the middle of the field. He's a player that I think has the speed and the ability to be something close to to the Darius Davis of this offense. And I think there are big expectations for him coming over from Alabama. He's a former big-time high school player from Alito coming home, and he, he's been pretty quiet over these first couple of games. And it's nice to see him get involved on special teams, but uh, he, he's a player that I'd like to see a little more of uh, going forward. If TCU is going to be emphasizing the tempo, which I did like in this game. I did like that TCU was playing fast. But get your speed, get your speedy, shifty players involved in some creative scenarios. Don't play fast and then run three consecutive inside zone plays. That That's something that TCU did at least once or twice in this game where Amani Bailey runs up the middle for four yards. Immediately, TCU gets up the line of scrimmage. He gets another carry for two yards. And then they get right up to the line of scrimmage. He gets another carry for two yards. I mean, that happened at least once or twice in this game. And the offense was off the field in you know, a minute or less because you're you're trying to play fast. And, and I like that, trying to wear down the opposing defense. But if you're not being creative about it and not challenging the defense in any real way, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So uh, Warren Thompson had a good game, eight catches for 92 yards, and he – emerged a little bit as a, as a threat on the outside with some of those guys out. So that was nice to see, but um, overall offensively, I think we'd like to see, I think we both would agree that we'd like to see a, a, a better set of plays called and a little bit more creativity from, from this offense and special teams. I'll bring up special teams here briefly, just cause it's the second week in a row where it's been kind of a strong point for this team. You have the blocked punt, early in the game with Blake now returning the ball for a touchdown Griffin Kell after missing a kick last week he goes two for two in this game hits a 57 yarder at the end of the first half which is a new career long for him and then Jojo Earl also had the really nice punt return so it's nice to see that TCU is still holding up pretty strong on special teams but I guess Anthony as we get ready now for the Houston game coming up and Houston's going to be very motivated, in my opinion, coming off a a really tough double overtime loss to Rice, uh, 43-41. First Big 12 game for the Cougars. It's going to be a marquee matchup on TV. What do you need to see from this team, whether it's offensively or defensively, as we get ready for this Houston game now? And yeah, uh, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be uh, a really interesting contest. I mean, uh, Dana Holgerson and, and Sonny Dykes go way back. And so I think that, um, there'll be a lot of interesting coaching games being played there. One thing I did want to go back and just give one positive note from this nickel state game on, on the Jalen Robinson route for his touchdown, I thought was, was really impressive. I thought, and maybe, maybe that's a case there where, um, you know, Bryles did scheme something up because, um, I really was impressed with the way that that he ran that route and and caught that touchdown. So, um, wanted to go and give that note. But looking ahead to Houston, um, you know, I think they have been 
far disappointing to the expectations that I had for them. I think they were picked pretty low nationally for in the Big 12 uh, with relatively timid expectations going into the season. But I, I thought they were going to be a little bit more frisky than this. Um, you know, really struggled with UTSA in week one, but that's a that's a tough game and you come away with the win. And then just kind of getting uh really punched in the face by Rice early in that game and then not being you know calling back and then ending up falling at the end i i think their motivation is going to pretty quickly fall off a cliff there um and i i i think they will still have it they'll they'll still get up for TCU it's still an opportunity to come in and your first game in the Big 12 and and show what you're made of. So I think they will come out with that intensity. Um, but for, for TCU, you know, I, I don't know that very much from this FCS game changed what we think about how the Colorado game went and the things that need to get cleaned up, uh, ahead of the, the tougher games on the schedule. Um, so I, I think it's still very much wait and see of, Will will TCU come out with intensity, be a team that wants to go out and bring the game to its opponents, uh, both with the players on the field and from a scheme and coaching and play calling? Um, will, will TCU look for those haymakers to go make plays both defensively and offensively that go and and put Houston away early uh, and and send everybody out into into the city early uh you know there's there's all kinds of events planned around the city uh for this game it's going to be a a big time atmosphere and i think the big 12 has really put a big focus on this game uh so i think it, it will be a really exciting time but i would like to see tcu come out and and score a whole bunch really fast and and put the result to rest early next week on Saturday. Yeah, I know we talked after the Colorado game, and the the two main things that I was looking for offensively were cutting down the penalties and the red zone turnovers. And the unfortunately, the Josh Hoover fumble and a couple couple of those penalties on Andrew Coker were were disappointing. And it was a small step, I think, in the right direction, but you still can't afford to have those kinds of mistakes against a team like Houston. And maybe in that Josh Hoover scenario, TCU probably calls a timeout and puts Morris back on the field if it's not an FCS opponent. But nevertheless, it's it's a pretty bad turnover in a really opportune moment to score points. So um, I think that's going to continue to be an emphasis for this Houston game is TCU's got to still prove that it can convert its red zone opportunities and prove that it will be able that it will be able to avoid shooting itself in the foot. So that's something I'll be looking for offensively. And then defensively, I, I said it before, and I'll bring it up a second time. Somebody needs to emerge on, on this defense as a as an X factor, and maybe it could be someone like Paul Oyewale or. Bud Clark or somebody else in the secondary, but I, I just I need to see a playmaker from this defense. And, and Josh Newton, you would think, is someone who can who can be that guy. Um, 
I thought he was kind of quiet in the Nichols game just because I don't think he got many passes thrown his way. But Donovan Smith is a really talented dual threat quarterback. TCU's front three, really the front five, uh, are going to be challenged with stopping him. So uh, perhaps somebody will emerge for this game coming up at Houston uh, later this weekend. And speaking of the Big 12, it was a very exciting weekend of games that we watched uh, along with this TCU win. You have uh, Texas Tech taking on Oregon in a really exciting game where the uh, the Red Raiders nearly come away with the big upset in Lubbock. Oregon escapes, though. A couple late touchdowns there. It was 38-30, to 30, the final score. Baylor nearly upsetting Utah, uh, giving up a touchdown very late in that game, but uh, a deep pass down the field set up a, a first down situation with one second left on the clock, about 20, 25 yards out, and it's incomplete. A lot of Baylor fans were salty about no PI on that call, but Utah ultimately escapes 20 to 13. And then unfortunately we might have to uh, reconcile with the fact that Texas may be back. Uh, The Longhorns going on the road and upsetting Alabama 34 to 24 in a game where Quinn Ewers played really well. It was, I think, unquestionably his best game as a college quarterback at Texas. And if the hype train wasn't rolling coming into the season, it's really going to be rolling now as Nick Saban goes down at home at the hands of Texas. And some other notable results here, uh, Oklahoma holds off SMU for for a win there in Norman. UCF went on the road and got a a hard-fought win against Boise State. Cincinnati defeated Pittsburgh. I thought Arizona State was going to win against Oklahoma State, but the Cowboys took that one 27-15. Jalen Daniels comes back and makes his season debut for Kansas. The Jayhawks beat Illinois 34-23. Uh, BYU, Kansas State, West Virginia, they all won big over their opponents. And then Iowa State, I picked the Cyclones to win that uh, rock throwing contest against the Hawkeyes, but ultimately it's Iowa that wins that one, twenty to thirteen. So, Anthony, what stuck out to you the most about some of these Big Twelve games this weekend? Yeah, obviously Texas winning in Tuscaloosa is a pretty incredible result, and I think Adani Mitchell, the receiver who transferred from Georgia to Austin, um might be the most important player in college football. I mean, he was pivotal to Georgia's uh, two national championship winning teams. And in the, in the playoffs, he was incredible two years in a row made uh, the, the catch that won the national championship a couple years ago, made the catch that won the, um, the semifinal last year against Ohio state and now he's in Austin catching passes from Quinn Ewers and was, you know, took down Alabama again. And I think um, we maybe underestimated him as a key transfer that would, you know, swing the way that college football would play out on the national stage this season. So um, obviously I think it's beating Alabama at Alabama is an incredible achievement. Um, you know, Texas fans are pretty hilarious having spent the last two weeks deriding TCU for putting up a banner 
on Amon G. Carter Stadium about winning a playoff game. And here they are, uh, you know, tearing down the city, um, <laughs> celebrating in the streets of Austin uh, and all through campus, all through the night, as if they won anything. They won They won one regular season game. Congratulations. Um, and, against the worst Alabama team that there's been in 20 years. So it's a big win, and it's big for this version of the Big 12. It's It means that Texas continues to be the clear favorite to end up in Arlington and, and be lifting that trophy and taking it with them out the door when they leave the conference. Um, the other big thing to watch here is in our weekly picks, you do not want me to pick your team to win any <laughs> team I'm picking is losing I had Texas Tech uh, I, I believed in Baylor this week both looked like I was going to be a genius and uh, and came out on the wrong end of that one I, I also picked against big 12 teams and was wrong so I, I thought Boise would would come away with a, a close one against UCF and UCF gets that walk-off winner uh, very exciting game there late night and um, same with Illinois over Kansas. Kansas might be more for real or Illinois is just way worse than they were last year. I think that Illinois defense lost their coach, lost a bunch of NFL players. So, you know, maybe there's not a whole bunch to take away from that, but that's a big win for, for Kansas as well. One that, you know, if Kansas was really regressing back to, to old ways of Kansas, they maybe don't, can't, go win that game. So um, I think that now that we're getting into conference matches, you know, with TCU Houston next week, I think it's going to be very exciting to see how the the Big 12 race shakes out going forward. Uh, still a lot of really good football teams and potentially a couple great ones. I guess the, the Oklahoma SMU game, we didn't talk about that. I guess that's kind of interesting to see after Oklahoma act you know blew out arkansas state in huge fashion in week one to really struggled with smu through a lot of this game you know ends up coming away with a, a touchdown win but you know smu can do that to you where where they're just hanging around and if you if you're not careful they can come up and get you so you know i think tcu will be focused when they go into uh that game against smu but SMU is is going to be a pretty good team this season, and they're really feeling themselves. I mean, even after the loss, all the quotes after the game were about how great they are. So, um, you know, Rhett Lashley it feels like he's he's on top of the world with his ACC invite. So, um, you know, I think that's the iron skillet in a couple of weeks should be a really intriguing battle as well. Yeah, I was definitely surprised to see SMU stick with Oklahoma. I want to say it was fourteen to three at halftime, and you said it after they hung 73 points on Arkansas State last week. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was really held in, in check this time around. So I think that the Mustangs do deserve some credit there. And Oklahoma State also surprised me a little bit. Um, I feel like the quarterback situation is still a large unknown. You really have three players still kind of competing to see who's going to be the alpha dog under center. But after the offense, kind of struggled against Central Arkansas and Jaden Rashada played a really nice game in his debut for Arizona State. I picked the Sun Devils to to win in our pick 'em over Oklahoma State and the Cowboys, the defense certainly came out and, and answered the call. So 
Uh, that, that was an L that I took. I think Oklahoma State and Texas were the two Big 12 teams that I did not pick. Um, I did pick Utah. I picked uh, – or I did pick Baylor. I didn't pick Baylor either. Um, and, and Tech. I, I guess I picked fewer Big 12 teams than, than <laughs> I thought. I think that. I picked some – some of those teams – I think I just didn't pick because I don't really like them. Baylor and, yeah. and Tech, especially. That's fair. But I did, I did pick UCF. I did pick Cincinnati. So I uh, was happy to see those those two schools uh, get get some good quality wins. And you mentioned it, TCU Houston coming up uh, this Saturday. We're going to be rolling into Big Twelve play, so it's going to get really competitive here really soon. And I'm excited to see how things begin to shape out. I think this next you know, four to five week stretch of the season is really going to show us who the the top dogs are in this new big 12 and who the bottom feeders are going to be. So Anthony, any final notes about any football related items here before we transition into some of the soccer volleyball stuff? And then ultimately we wrap up. No, that's, that's all I've got. Awesome. So let's go ahead and roll right into TCU soccer uh, re-entering the polls at number 25 in the country, TCU played a road match against Purdue on Thursday and was able to come from behind to win 2-1. to one. Uh, TCU trailed early, but Gracie Bryan scored the equalizer, and then A.J. Hennessy scored the go-ahead goal. So TCU getting a quality win over a Big Ten team on the road Thursday. Played another match earlier today on the road against Butler. And Grace Coppinger scored the lone goal, but TCU lost to the Bulldogs two to one earlier today. So TCU moving to three, three and one on the season. Not sure if the Frogs are still going to be in the top 25 after that loss to Butler, but a a really, really tough matchup coming up against BYU on the road Thursday and then a game against Stephen F. Austin later that weekend, Sunday. Uh, Anthony, were you able to catch any of this action? What are your thoughts on just those results and then the 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 big matchup coming up against BYU? Yeah, it was great to see some of the offense come through and, and the grit and resilience to get that comeback win against Purdue. Um, you know, I think earlier in the season, it was looking like being able to to get an equalizer and get a game winner in a game where it was going to be a very tall task for this TCU soccer offense. Uh, so that was good to see the Butler loss is is really disappointing. I think you would have liked to have felt a bit of momentum going into this BYU contest. Uh, BYU is number one in the country, unanimous number one. Uh, they had a big win earlier this season over UCLA, one of their top competitors, you know, one of the top programs in, in the country, one of the top teams fighting for the number one overall team in the country. So um, BYU, this game this week in Provo is is a marquee matchup, national spotlight for for the TCU soccer. I think it's on ESPNU. Um, I think it's a it's a uh, an actual television broadcast. So um, definitely if you're if you're looking for some TCU action midweek before your Saturday game in Houston, definitely check out the the Horn Frog soccer team against BYU. It's one where if TCU comes away with that victory, um, that that is a huge result and, and would be set up some big things for the Horn Frogs uh, through the stretch run of the season. 
And also TCU Volleyball continuing its season over the weekend. The Frogs traveled to College Station for the Texas A&M Invitational. Another solid weekend for TCU after going 2-1 and one at the Coastal Carolina Tournament. The Frogs go 2-1 and one again in this Texas A&M invite. Uh, a really good match to start off on Thursday. That went five sets. TCU just falling a bit short in a 3-2 loss against Northern Iowa. Riley Buckley, the transfer setter from Missouri, who's been phenomenal to start the season, had a tremendous individual performance in this match. He had 36 assists to go along with 21 digs on defense. So really showing her versatility as an all-around player for this team and has kind of been the MVP of this of this volleyball team so far this year. But TCU following up with a 3-0 sweep over Utah State on Friday and then a pretty big win on Saturday yesterday against Texas A&M, winning three sets to one. Texas A&M was coming in 7-0 and on the season and, of course, the host team for the tournament. So a really good feather in the cap for, for TCU. The defense over the last couple of matches was really, really good. Brianna Green, the Denver transfer, had 12 blocks in the match against Texas A&M. TCU as a whole had 16 and a half blocks in that game. So the front line did a really nice job there. Three different players also had double-doubles. In that match against Texas A&M, you had Melanie Parra, Jalen Gibson, the two outside hitters. Uh, Parra had 16 kills. Gibson had 13, and each of them had 11 digs. So really good efforts from those two players. And then Riley Buckley, again, 37 assists and 10 digs. So that's a really good win for TCU. The sweep over Utah State was a historic match for TCU. Sarah Sylvester, the middle blocker, had 13 blocks, which is a school record for a three-set match. So TCU's defense really coming up strong over those last two matches. And so the Frogs are now 4-4 four and four on the season. They have one more tournament coming up before getting into Big 12 play. It's the fight in the fort. That's going to be at TCU this coming weekend. Three more matches against Hawaii, Florida State and Western Carolina. So if you're in Fort Worth, come out to uh, the arena, Shulmire Arena, support TCU Volleyball as they get ready to start Big 12 play. I want to say Kansas State is the first Big 12 team that they play. And the, the schedule is kind of interesting with the 14 teams now as opposed to just 10. TCU is going to have several Big 12 teams that they play twice in a home-and-home home format. And then you're going to have, I want to say, four opponents that TC will only play one time. So big 12 play is going to be really competitive. Some very strong programs like Baylor and Texas and others in the conference. So hopefully uh, another successful weekend will come up here for, for TCU as they look to get above 500. That will wrap up our podcast this evening. Thank you everybody for listening in and continuing to show all of your support. Again, we are partnered with Charlie Hustle. Get your TCU apparel, your throwback swag online at charliehustle.com. Use the promo code uh, TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. If you want to play daily fantasy sports, check out Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks mobile app. Go to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code FROGS12, FROGS12 for a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you want to support the Patreon that the 1012 Network has launched, go online to patreon.com forward slash TEN 12 Network. And of course, we are continuing to put out content 
on our website at Frogs of War. Go online at frogsofwar.com. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War. We're continuing to grow the platform and we really appreciate all of the support for everything that we do, not only with Frogs Up, but also at Frogs of War as well. So with that, we will sign off for the evening. Frogs Up. Frogs Up.